Welcome back to the Cycling Tips Podcast, Tour de France Rest Day Edition. I'm Abby Mickey, and I am joined by, well, a special guest, but I'll get to him last. You know, I saved the best for last. Kaylee Fretz is here. Hello. Ronnie McLaughlin. Hello. And Jimmy Whalen. Hello. Joining us from his, actually, we've infiltrated his home in order to we did. We stole his balcony. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit rude of us, but also it's a great balcony. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? It's good. I, I want to clarify one thing: is it Jimmy Whalen or Jimmy Whelan? I, I don't even know. Okay. <laughs> well, I think Whelan. I was going to say the sole Irish representative here, but well, you will know the answer more than I do. I, I would have said Whelan, but my I, my version of any word cannot be trusted. So we are obviously hanging out at the Tour de France rest day. We don't have much to cover today, so we'll be a pretty fun episode. Hopefully get to some listener questions later. We're going to talk about stage 16 coming up, the final week coming up, a little bit of mountain competition action. But before we, before we get to that, this week's episode is brought to you by Continental. At last year's Tour de France, Continental introduced their GP5000 with cream sidewalls. We're pleased to say that by popular demand, they are back. Actually, Ronan was riding them today. Yeah, they're great. I was going to yeah. say, it's style points. It's yeah. more style points than actual change in, in that, any, any material change. Yeah. The cream sidewall GP5000s joins the transparent and traditional black sidewall to form the new color range. According to Oliver at Continental, we created the Grand Prix 5000 to make sure that any rider has the best tire to make the most of their time. Now we have the opportunity to put their personal style on an equal footing with the quality and performance. The cream sidewall GP5000s is available worldwide starting today. Even better, we, the Cycling Tips Podcast have two pairs of cream sidewall GP5000 tires to give away to our podcast listeners. All you have to do is tell us at least three of the teams riding Continental tires at this year's Tour de France. We've mentioned it a couple times in the podcast, so hopefully you've not been skipping our ads. <laughs> if you're <laughs> if you're part of Velo Club, drop your answers into the Slack channel. Otherwise, tweet your answers to Kaylee. What? And Kaylee only. We'll draw winners at the end of this Tour de France. Really? Me? Well, Chris wrote Kaylee slash Abby, but I took myself out of it. Okay. <laughs> That's at Kaylee Fretz on Twitter if you would like to tweet at me. One, one point for clarity. Are we talking teams officially riding Continental or teams riding Continental? It's a good point. We're talking teams officially riding Continental because otherwise it would just be a free-for-all. It'd be most teams. You could just name most teams and you'd probably be right. It's true. All right. Should we talk about... Um, the Tour de France. Let's talk about the Tour de France. One conversation that we missed yesterday was the discussion of the mountains competition, which is, as Ronan said, hotting up. It's not a, a correct verb conjugation there, Ronan. I, I have this problem. Verbs and confrontation are not my strong point. <laughs> Verbs and confrontation. <laughs> heating up it's heating up uh, anyway we've discussed this previously because um well it's just a, it's a it's a common phraseology for a certain part of the world and it doesn't make any sense i don't like i don't like it at all but the polka dot jersey competition is hotting up indeed and <laughs> abby where does it stand right now 
Right now, Wout Pools is in the KOM jersey with 74 points. Hot on his heels is Michael Woods, who was wearing the polka dot jersey yesterday on stage 15 with 66 points. And then Nairo Quintana is in third, 64 points. And then Wout Van Aert is right behind him, well, tied with 64 points. That's hilarious. He's going to win it. That is so, it is, it cracks me up that Quintana, Quintana, Nairo Quintana, who is, I'm probably saying his name wrong and I just said it. No, you're good. No, Dane's going to text me later about it. And Wout Van Aert, who is like a cyclocross slash classics rider, are tied for the polka dot jersey of the Tour de France. Well, tied in third, but tied on points, period. This far into the race, two weeks into the race. Hilarious. Wout is amazing. If you stuck him in pro cycling in the 70s, he'd, you know, he's not, not gonna be Mercs, right? Mercs is Mercs. But he'd be close. Yeah, but back back then you you could win Grand Tours while being a, a bigger rider, and there's a whole bunch of reasons behind that that we I think we've actually done an episode on before, but not least of which was the fact that the gears weren't very low. <laughs> so it's just like you just need bigger dudes to to push the gear. Plus, cycling is just a lot more specialized now than it used to be. But you you could stick a uh, Wout Van Aert in his you know 1970s Tour de France and probably consider him a contender and that's pretty amazing and obviously he's not a contender now but he's a contender for KOM jersey as a classics rider I, I like I said in yesterday's podcast I'm just continually astounded by by we are entertained by him and that's what we want and um a Velo Club member pointed out that Nairo and the Wouts is a very good band name and I concur <laughs> <laughs> There's like there's probably a, a bunch of good band names in the Pro Peloton. Yeah. Yeah. This is where we end up on the second rest day of the Tour de France. First 10 days, I feel like we were pretty good about sticking to, you know, the race today, <laughs> tactical analysis. Yes. Jimmy over here listened to our podcast for the first time ever yesterday, so he thinks they're all like that. No, actually, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I know you very well without you knowing. <laughs> I've done some research on the Com jersey. Oh. There's eight climbs left. Categorized climbs. Four of them are tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow's the day. Yeah. Do we have any insight into Mike Woods' plans? Is he still gung ho after it? Is he? Has anybody spoken to him? I know. Pre previously, before, you're wearing his Woods Cardio Club sweatshirt, so I feel like you should his know. Merch. Yeah, right you got now. his merch on. <laughs> um, I think prior to the race, you know, before he even was kind of put into the GC role, his goal was to win a stage. And I think that that holds true. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's now pivoted and is going to go for those polka dots um, because he's so close. I mean, it's really the four of them are closest in the competition. But as we know from previous years, depending on if the four other categorized climbs besides tomorrow's, um, if any of them are mountaintops in which that Pogacar could win, then he could probably vault himself up in the standings. He's, he's at um, 26 points right now in seventh place, but that I feel like he's not going to take it. I don't think, I don't yeah, think he's going to, I don't take think it. he's going to, I mean, you know, anything's possible. We could see some crazy racing over this, this last week, but a bonkers tour. And I think for the stages coming up, like there's going to be breakaways yeah. in the stages coming up for sure. It has um, been a bonkers tour, hasn't it? It really has. I was talking to one of the Swan years for Trek yesterday, and she just can't believe how 
crazy this tour has been just every everything everything compounded the amount of crashes in the beginning how tired the guys are how hard the racing has been how fast it's been it's been just one of the craziest tours i think that we've ever had and a lot of it has comes down to uae is not as controlling as sky slash ineos has been when they've had the jersey it just means that the race has been more insane because there's no. It one... emboldens everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everybody's emboldened by that by that simple fact, which is what we were saying in the first week and kind of what we were hoping for, right? Because let's be honest, the GC battle has not been particularly compelling, on the whole. It has, it's had its moments, but the GC battle has not been particularly compelling. But there's been so much else in this race to keep us entertained. And, and that's the beauty of the Tour de France, right? There's, there's there's so many subplots. And in this particular race, more so than any tour I've covered, and this is, I think, 10 for me, the the subplots have, have come to the fore this time. Mm. That's why we're going to spend most of this episode talking about KOMs and breakaways and things like that. I would be. I, I would have thought that Woodsy would be going for the, for the poker dot jersey. I think it, it would mean a lot. Yeah. yeah. And listening to your podcast yesterday about him prioritizing the olympics yeah i was trying to work out an answer to that and i still wouldn't know what i would do if i was him i asked an inside source about that and my inside source said between the polka dots and the olympics hands down no question a male inside source i should say because as we discussed yesterday for the women it's much different hands down no question olympics the real conversation yep. would be yellow jersey versus Olympics. Mm. It'd be yellow jersey, right? Yellow jersey and, for sure. And Woodsy's a runner, so it makes the Olympics even more important. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember if we said that on mic or off we mic we yesterday. Said it off mic. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you didn't say it on mic. We had that thought because <laughs> it's true. It's true. If you come from athletics, right? That it's it's the pinnacle. There is nothing yeah, above yeah. it, and and he certainly has that mentality. I'm assuming. We also, we discussed, oops, we discussed that it seems like English speaking countries, Australia, the US, the UK, not so much Canada, but maybe kind of um, really prioritize the Olympics over a lot of other things. Um, And I think that that maybe something of that has to do with that cycling in those countries is not big at all. So in those countries, the only race that a lot of people do watch besides the Tour de France is the Olympic road race. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in, you know, Belgium, the Netherlands, Denmark, other places, they watch the classics and stuff. And those are huge races for them. So if you win them, it's a it's a big deal. But I could pull anyone on the street and ask them who won Milan San Remo this year. No, not a single person would know. Shame on them. It's true. It's Jasper. But it's true. <laughs> I was going to quiz you just now. <laughs> but you should know moment. that one. Yeah. <laughs> I even had chocolates with Jasper's face on them because of that win. So, Really? Yeah. Oh, he owns a... He owns a chocolate a, shop. A chocolate shop, yeah. That's in right. Belgium, yeah. So yeah. he made like custom like little chocolates that said Milan San Remo. It was like Milan San Remo. And then the next one was like Jasper winning. And then Milan... Yeah. That's so cool. I got a box full of them. I've gotten Trek Segafredo jersey chocolates before mm. from them i love the beat-ons they make like little beat-on chocolates yeah. oh they're so good i don't know something about just like how crunchy the outside of the beat-on is and like the it's inside. a high volume chocolate it's really good yeah yeah relationship between i think you're right i'm gonna stop us there that's enough <laughs> i was i was li- i was going to go down that road this but i'm not my because job is to keep us you, on. you may as well keep going because you've just made me hungry so <laughs> we're gonna need to pause you just <laughs> So, 
I have chocolate in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to do picks for the KOM today? Oh. We could do. Oh. Oh. Mm. Jimmy goes first if we do picks for the KOM at the end of this. At the at the end of the tour. I've got PCS cycling stats up here, so I'm I'm just going to do it by the numbers. No guessing work. Well, I'm going to say Mike Woods gets the polka dots. Is that a heart pick or a head pick? No, that's a head pick. Yeah. All right. Two of the stages finish on a climb. I think it'll be a breakaway. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Podgecar will win the stage. As long as he doesn't have to descend in the rain, I think he's good. Woods? Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, like I was actually pretty annoyed at the the commentary on GCN that stage that he Pogacar attacked everybody and Woods was kind of like dangling in between. I can't remember who won the stage. Um, it was uh, Bahrain victorious. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the commentators were like quite rude to Woodsy about his descending skills. And I was like, well, it's wet. And he already went down once this tour. And actually, Woodsy is, I'm going on the record. Woodsy's actually a really good descender. He's taken lessons from a MotoGP driver. He's, gotten so much better since he started racing he's always going to be a little bit worse than everyone else because he came into the sport so late and he was a runner so it's not like he was you know if you come in from ski racing you already have the skills to go down and descend it's exactly the same distribution of weight or ski jumping for yeah example. yeah exactly but uh i mean i i think that riding woodsy off because of his descending is the wrong call i would agree yeah woodsy's a good descender I think a lot of the peloton don't actually race down the hills because they're usually dropped by the top. Hmm. So a lot of the riders don't actually have to race down the hill. So it's always easy to point him out as a, as a weak point. But yeah, he could definitely drop me down a hill here in Andorra. <laughs> <laughs> Although you're you're also coming from running. Like, and, I've, and I've also done like the, the sending coach thing. And yeah. it definitely works. Yeah. And yeah, training here in Andorra, you definitely learn how to go down a hill. Very true. But yeah, in the wet, it's... Uh, no one likes it's to descend in skill. the wet. No. Yeah. Except Tom's. He's weird. <laughs> he's he's also done the MotoGP guy, the same guy. Yeah. Do I need to pick? Do yeah, go. Pick? Pick. Uh, I'm going to pick... I'm going to say Nairo. Oof. I know. Bold choice. It's really... That's a hard pick. Yeah. That's a hard... I, I've just... You know, I've just been... He's so... Hmm. I don't know. I just root for him for some reason. I can't, I don't know why. He rides in a somewhat annoying fashion most of the time. And a French team. On a French team. Getting the polka dot jersey is pretty big deal. Would be massive. And he's like, you know, he's got to do something here. He hasn't done anything in a while. And I think, uh, yeah, I think he needs to go for it. He's He's been playing it smart. Like he's been going and grabbing points and then literally just like sitting up and, and saving the legs and things like that. So I think he's, you know, he's tactically kind of working it out. And I think that this last week. He can do it. True. Ronan? I'm there with you. I'm going to pick Nero as well. Um, my pick is Wout Van Aert. I think he... Solid pick. Yeah, I think he's a good pick. Yeah. I My heart pick would be Woodsy, but I think Wout Van Aert, you know, he's so good at getting himself into those breaks. And um, for him, he tomorrow's stage, stage 16, starts on a pretty gnarly descent, and we'll, we'll get into that. But I think tomorrow, whoever gets into that break and is able to get the points tomorrow is going to walk into the rest of the week with a huge leg up on the competition in the KOM uh, jersey race. And I think for him getting into that break tomorrow, I don't see it being an issue at all. So if it's a downhill, if it's a downhill race, I just said that Woodsy's a good descender. But if you if you kind of stack him up to Wow Van Art, you know, not not so good. Not many people in the peloton at all 
can stack up to him. Well, people people also ways. forget, I think, sometimes that yes, descending is a skill set, but it's also punching it out of every single corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, it's pretty good at punching it. That mm-hmm. also helps. He's also just bigger, right? Which anybody who's descended with somebody bigger than you, usually, usually their weight to aerodynamic drag is such that they are going to go faster than you. Speaking of um, pretty incredible descending, should we listen to that interview you did with Sep Kuss? We caught up with Sep, uh, asked him a host of questions, sort of where he comes from, what this means. Uh, he is, of course, the first American Tour de France stage winner since 2011. And that's a big deal. Why so, he threw his glasses. Why he threw, we asked him why he threw his glasses. I asked him again. I asked him yesterday this question. I asked him again, basically, what Valverde said to him at the finish line. He still wouldn't really give me an answer. Mm. I'm pretty sure I saw or heard the, the word huevos. But he says, no, they were just talking about the wind or something. I don't believe you, Sep. I don't believe you. <laughs> anyway, let's hear from him. Hey, Kaylee. Hey, Sep. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Enjoying the rest day to the to the maximum <laughs> <laughs> what are you up to right this second uh well nothing nothing much really uh just looking out at the at the mountains and uh just um trying to make the day go as long as possible because <laughs> i i think the rest <laughs> days they they go by faster than you want and uh especially this rest day I'd, it's it'd be nice if it went <laughs> at a, a slow pace extra. yeah you a little tired from yesterday? A little tired. Actually, I felt okay on the bike today. I felt like I still had some some energy, but uh, I think that's the for sure just the morale <laughs> morale boost after I yesterday. Mean, All the good energy is still uh, still there for sure. I, I guess that's that's the first question I actually had for you in in sort of the the formal interview part of this conversation. Uh, you know, like what is it like? to win a tour de France stage. And I mean that from like a, you know, you, you finish up, you saw your girlfriend on the, on the climb. I don't know if you saw her after I'm assuming your phone was just basically on fire yeah, yeah. for like the, the following 12 hours. Just like, like, you know, for those of us out there who are probably never going to do that, tell me what it's like in, in sort of the, the 24 hours after you do something like that. Uh, yeah, it, it's pretty wild. I get Cause I, I think the the strange thing is that you're you're so um, you know every day you're so wrapped up in the race and and focusing on one uh, not even one stage at a time just one moment of the race at a time uh, you know whether it's the start or a, a windy section or a, a certain mountain uh, that that you're just so used to being in that rhythm. And then when you, you win a stage, it's like, okay, what, what is this? It's, it's not the, <laughs> uh, so I think that, that just, uh, makes it even more of a disbelief because it's not something you, uh, can ever really plan, you know, of course you, you can dream of it, but it's, uh, sometimes it's, it's, uh, you know, you, you don't want to think about it too much because then you're more disappointed when, if it doesn't happen. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's the thing you, you, you try and treat it as any other day or any other win. But then when you look at it in the scope of everything, it's, it's a really big deal to win a stage in the, in the tour. 
do, do you feel like it's going to change you either as a person or as a bike rider or anything like that? I mean, I realize you've only got 24 hours to put this thing in context, but you know, like you, you know, you have teammates who have won stages. Do you feel like it changes you? No, I, I'm, I'm sure it won't change uh, me or, or my approach to anything. Um, you know, I, um, yeah, it's, it's not going to make me, uh, train less or train more or act in a different way. I, I think, uh, for, for me, it's, it's just a product of, of what, uh, what I do while I'm enjoying the, the bike and, um, and, and winning is, is a really nice feeling and that's part of it, but, um, it's also about getting to that point. So, uh, for me, not, not much will change. Can I ask why you chucked your glasses at the finish line yesterday? <laughs> uh, I I think it's because it's it's almost like uh, uh, a trademark. Well, not a trademark, but I'm I'm always riding with my glasses in my helmet, especially when I'm climbing, just because I it's it's much more clear in my eyes, and you don't have the sweat in your eyes and everything and and i figure well you you know it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to win a stage in the tour so you have to do something a bit a bit different uh, so i know it's been done before <laughs> somebody throwing their glasses but uh yeah just making the most of it got them i have no idea i'm, I'm i haven't seen any uh ads on wallapop or i haven't seen anybody out riding uh but uh, I hope I hope they uh, are are intact and and somebody is uh, enjoying them. They're they're a bit scratched though, so they, I, I was due for a new pair. <laughs> Say we we saw that you had a new pair by the time you got to even the uh, even the, the podium presentation. Yeah, so yeah. Second, so. <laughs> you're well you're well taken care of. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's nothing against our uh, our eyewear sponsor Abu. <laughs> they 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 make great sunglasses, but you know it's it's a nice. Uh, uh props to to use i guess <laughs> you just wanted to spread the love That's yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to talk a little bit about sort of how you got here um you know andy hood asked asked that question yesterday in the press conference about well just sort of basically informing you that you were the first american and tour de france stagers stage winner since 2011 that's it's a, it's a big deal right and i think a lot of people just don't really know your backstory and kind of where you come from so um can you kind of explain that I, it, as quickly as possible? Yeah. So, you know, come from mountain biking, come from Durango, kind of talk people through how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, I, I come from uh, mountain biking. Uh, I was always cycling at a young age, never that competitively, just, uh, you know, always doing it uh, as a summer sport and in the winter, always skiing. Um and then after a while, I realized I liked um, riding my bike more than I liked skiing and, and everything like that. So then I, every year I started to focus more on cycling. And, um, and then after a while, a few years racing in, in the mountain bike circuit, doing World Cups, things like that, I, I realized I, it, it wasn't really motivating for me anymore. And I wanted to... Uh, explore what what i could do in in the in road racing so uh from there it, it took off really fast um and uh yeah now i'm in the tour de france so it's pretty crazy <laughs> what what was that transition like i mean i mean you did take to road racing really really quickly uh 
would you still sort of describe mountain biking as kind of like your original your original love or or is or are you really a roadie now how would you consider yourself oh i mean i i love mountain biking I, i'll always love mountain biking but um i think uh i i didn't really love the the world cup course you know short courses where it's so uh explosive and uh you know i i more liked the old school style mountain biking where it was a longer loop uh high altitude you know a, a, a bit more sustained climbing and the old norba course yeah exactly and and that's where more my skill set was so when i was doing these world cup races i thought okay it's this isn't fun for me because it's not what i'm good at anymore i'm 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 made for for long climbs and and long races so i thought well it obviously it it's it should fit perfectly with with road racing i love doing long rides i like to to train uh long hours and and uh it it seemed like it would be a, a natural fit when you first got over here you had you'd kind of, you'd kind of a rough first year if i remember correctly i remember yeah. seeing you at the tour of california after you just come home and, and you were kind of like a little shell-shocked from from the first year how did you sort of get past that? Like what's changed in your life that that's, that's gotten you past that sort of initial difficulty? Yeah, it was super hard in the, in my first spring and as a pro, I mean, the races were just so, so much harder than anything you could ever do in, in the U S and, and then, you know, you're on a world tour team and you have certain, uh expectations and and yeah you're on the biggest stage so you you have that added bit of stress even if they don't put stress on you 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 want to do the best you can and when you're just surviving every race then it's uh uh it's it's fun but it's not why you do it because it it's not not nice to just start every day thinking how you're gonna survive the day uh so after that, I was, you know, I wasn't pessimistic about how things were going. I knew I, I still really had a lot to learn and, and I would improve, but, uh, yeah, I just, it had to have been hard though. I mean, yeah. You know, you know a, a, a punch in the face the second you land, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, I didn't arrive with any expectations that I was going to, uh, hit the ground running and, and win and everything like that, I knew it would be super hard. And I, I was also hesitant to, to make the jump to the world tour because I was so inexperienced that I said, well, I don't want to go there and just get killed and, and then hate bike racing. And then, so when that spring happened and I was just really on the limit, I was thinking, Oh shit, this is uh you know, it, it, this is a bit too much for me right now, but I, I still enjoyed the races and I could feel I was getting better. So that, that gave me enough confidence to just, uh, trust myself, enjoy training and riding and, and know that, that eventually, uh, it would get easier. And that now you've got, you know, girlfriend over here, you're pretty settled over here. I mean, you haven't been home in, I, and I'm, by home, I mean the United yeah, States. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you haven't been home in in what two years? Now yeah, yeah, like about yeah. I I didn't uh, ever since Corona. I I wasn't uh, able to go home the last off season, and 
yeah, it's, I, I think slowly overall, I've slowly transitioned to, to just living in, in Europe, which, which I, I, I love living in Europe, but, um, yeah, it's, it's also hard when, when you don't see your, your parents and, and your friends and, and things like that. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I have to say I'm really comfortable in Europe and I don't get, um, homesick in the sense that I, I need to be in, in the U S whenever it's possible. But, uh, yeah, so the, there's those things that you have at home that you, you can't have anywhere else sometimes. Right. Your Spanish must be okay now. I mean, you're chatting with Valverde yesterday. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I thought I heard something about huevos <laughs> at the, uh, at the finish line. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, no, we were just talking about the wind and how, uh, how, uh, <laughs> how full gas we were uh, the <laughs> but uh yeah no the spanish is good and uh i i always am, am able to to practice and and speak it quite a bit uh so last question here i'll let you go i know you're you're trying to recover no worries uh the one that i the one that i got to ask because you are you're now a tour de france stage winner and you've been on this trajectory which the average cycling fan, they know where that trajectory ends up, or at least where they like it to end up, right? So, so do you know sort of what's in your future? Have you, have you had those discussions with the team? Because you're on this team that is just absolutely full of hitters, right? Yeah. You seem to be given, you seem to be given your opportunities here and there. Uh, I mean, do you, is is uh, is stage hunting the thing that you want to do for the rest of your career? Or do you have ambitions, you know, into into GC and things like that. Is that something that's on your, on your mind? Yeah, I, I, I really do have ambitions to, um, be a, be a GC rider. Um, and, and I know it won't come really fast. There's still a lot I need to work on and improve on. Um, especially just being more consistent because some, some days I, my level can be with some of the best climbers in the world and other days I can be, uh, um, really far from that. So, um, just, just trying to be more stable each day is, is something I, I need to develop in. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's something I aspire to, but if, if it doesn't work out, then I, I know that I'll, I'll always keep this certain skill set, And, uh, I, I can also do a lot in, in cycling with, with, what I have right now. Do you enjoy the kind of, the kind of super domestic role that you've been in the last couple of years? Yeah, it's nice. I mean, it's, uh, when, when you're riding for, for guys that are, are, are winning some of the biggest races, it's, it's also <laughs> like you win yourself because, uh, yeah, the, the level is, is so high that it's, you know, with, with the, the biggest top riders, even if you're on another team, you can't even hope to beat them <laughs> on your own. So it's, it's, uh, if, if you're working for them, it's like you're winning yourself. But, um, yeah, at, at the same time, I, you know, you, you also, I want to win races and, uh, you know, do, do a race where I felt like I've given, uh, everything each day or given everything on a certain stage to, to go for the victory, which is, um, yeah, a bit different feeling than when you're, 
riding for someone because it's a lot depends on the the race situation and it's a different uh mental state but uh i i do really like doing both all right last last question for real this time uh are you are you numbers guy Uh, like a like a power numbers uh yeah i i like to look at it or analyze it but i in in the race i never look at uh any any numbers really only only afterwards I was just going to ask if you knew how many how many watts you you hit out at uh, yesterday. Whether that's something that you pay attention to in in real time, or if you're just going for it. Um, yeah, mostly just going for it. I mean, I always glance down just to yeah, see where I'm at, gauge the effort a little bit. But um, yeah, I think when I'm really on a good day, sometimes I look down and I think, ah, it, power meter's broken. It, it can't be that high. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh but then if you think about it you think okay well if i'm doing this then then for sure nobody can can uh follow me so it, it must be okay but um uh p- pacing wise i was... only go on 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 feeling gotcha what what is that number like what what do you what do you see when you look down i'm just curious like the like what's the four, what four four hundred four ten like what what if you look down yesterday yeah mid climb what do you, what are you seeing oh mid, I mean when for? I'm on the steep parts like four twenty four fifty yeah and then you know just uh, I, I I feel like I have a good idea of of my my zones and and what what power I. I need to use for certain sections of the course and, and terrain and, and cadence and everything. Um, but that's also something you feel and, uh, that you, you gauge. Any, uh, any final shout outs to the, the good people of Durango since we're both neighbors. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm sure it's really exciting for everyone back home. Uh, I'm sure there's, there's people watching and I'm, I'm glad I could, could give everybody something to uh to cheer about and uh i'm looking forward to, to seeing everybody soon and when i come back home finally in in december so <laughs> awesome well congrats sep it was a uh, it was a great stage to watch and good luck this week i'll catch you some morning are, are you gonna be out there uh for the rest of the race then yeah yeah i, I showed up a couple days ago okay so I'm, i'll be at the i'll be at the start line perfect so perfect i'll see you every yeah. day then <laughs> All right, man. I'll uh, I'll catch you this week. Sounds good, Kaylee. Cheers. Thanks. Rest up. See ya. See you, man. Moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about stage 16 coming up. Really quick, before we talk about tomorrow's stage, let's hear from Jose. Straight after the rest day, the riders get treated to a nice stage again in the Pyrenees. The finish place of Saint-Gaudin is a regular feature in the Tour de France. No less than 13 starts and 10 finishes. The first time was in 1950 when Gino Bartoli won the stage in Saint-Gaudin and other famous winners here are Charlie Gaulle, André Darigade and Luis Ocaña. In recent times, Saint-Gaudin almost exclusively served as a start town, with 2014 being the last time. Rafa Maika won the stage to Plada de with Vincenzo Nibali in the yellow jersey. Back to the history of Saint-Gaudin. During the invasion of the Visigoths, which is about 1500 years ago, a young shepherd of 13 years old named Gaudin refused to renounce his Christian faith. 
one of the soldiers then beheaded him. Legend has it that the young shepherd got up, took his head in his hands and ran to take refuge in the church of Mas Saint-Pierre, which is now the town of Saint-Gaudin. The villagers collected his body and from that moment on his relics became the object of a local cult. But before we get to Saint-Gaudin, the riders have to climb the Porte d'Aspect, which in cycling's memory is and will always be synonymous to Fabio Casartelli. It was 1995 and it's a day that I could never forget. It was the day Fabio Casartelli died. A rider stated as it did not finish on the results sheet of that 15th stage. The Italian crashed on the descent of the Porta d'Aspet and hit his head on a curbstone. There was blood on the asphalt because riders weren't wearing helmets back then, or most of them did not. He was helicoptered to hospital, but his heart stopped beating before they got there. Casartelli was just 24 and father to a young son. The day after, Motorola, his team, crossed the finish line together. The stage was not raced. Andrea Perron, Lance Armstrong, Stephen Swart, Frankie Andreu, Steve Bauer and Alvaro Mejia crossed the finish line together in honour of Fabio Carsaterri. Three days after the death of his teammate, Lance Armstrong had the strength to win a stage. He pointed his fingers to heaven when he crossed the line, and that was a moment that left a deep mark on teenage me, and I kept following the sport ever since. On the Porte d'Aspect is a memorial for Casartelli in the shape of a sundial indicating the three most important dates. His date of birth, the day he died, and the 2nd of August, the day he became Olympic champion in Barcelona. The bike he was riding that fateful day in the Tour de France found a place in the chapel at Madonna del Ghisalo and passed every year in the last big monument of the season, Il Lombardia. Who wants to tell me about the stage? I, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about it. It starts near here. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's good somebody came prepared for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the only person that doesn't actually work for us. Right. More prepared than everyone. Uh, I thought you were going to do it, Abby. I'm hosting the podcast. That means I get to pass off... <laughs> But you you had you had talked through it earlier. It looks like most teams have reconned this this course by uh, from what I've heard. I mean, obviously that shows how important it is. It it is going to be important. So just the sort of big picture stuff. We've got a downhill start from Padalacas, Pastelacas. I guess those were in Spain. Pastelacasa. Pastelacasa. Do you say it's in? It's written in French in here, but. I don't think we say it that way. Pasta la casa starts there, drops down for a while. Actually, it, it looks like a pretty good breakaway day. I think. I, in fact, I would almost guarantee that it's a breakaway day, given who has the old jersey and what his team has been riding like. And then we've got a cat two, followed by a sprint point. Kind of doubt that the real sprinters are going to be going for that one. Although Sonny Cabrelli has been doing crazy things, so who knows? Uh, uh, that's actually something that we didn't mention yesterday: is that Buhani's out. Buhani is out. So Cavs' chances of walking away with this green jersey, it's like the only thing standing between him and the green jersey at the end of the race are the mountains. Pretty and much. I feel like he's doing really well. Everyone keeps saying he's not going to make time cut. He's riding super well. He's been fine. He's been fine. I, I want to return to Buhani in a second because there's some weirdness around that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we, we have this downhill start. We have a Cat 2 sprint point and then a Cat 1 and then a Cat 2 
and then just sort of like a slow downhill down toward the finish with a little tiny cat four what's that like 20k 15k from the end of the stage which is basically a launch point for some sort of breakaway thing uh if you've got a group of whatever five eight to ten riders somebody's gonna go there and that is probably i would guess the uh the climb that ends up determining the stage itself breakaway i think like i said they're on a pretty big road all the way down to the first climb and it's pretty steep at the start there goes for a few k and then drops down i'd imagine that's where it's gonna go oh it would just be super hectic I think it's all the like with the KOM jersey will depend on who goes up the road. And then, yeah, it's a bit complicated and no one really knows. And then all of a sudden, one team's not happy with it and then it'll get closed down. And then once you get to the climb, it'll be about legs. And then it's just chaos because, yeah. And when you descend for that long in the beginning of the day, your legs feel just god awful when you start going uphill again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it could be crazy windy too. It's pretty exposed on that valley. Yeah. Anyway, can we, can we really quickly on Buhani? So basically, there's a video of him taking some epic sticky bottles on the way up Fun 2. Uh, and then his he removed his Strava, and then he pulled out of the race. Like, he wasn't outside time limit. He just pulled out of the race the, the, the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, we have no additional information other than, other than that, other than... Speculation. Speculation. Yeah. We don't want to speculate. Those are just the facts on the ground. And uh, we'll let people just sort of... We don't want to speculate. We speculate every day of our lives. (laughs) We'll just leave that out there. Yeah. It's just a weird confluence of events. Series of of events. Uh, You know, video of him doing something that could lead to disqualification, followed by removal of a Strava file, followed by pulling yourself out of the race while you're in the green jersey hunt. Without being outside time limit. He, he's kind of a controversial rider. He is a very controversial rider. Is he? Yeah. He's punched some people. He's punched people. Yeah. Well, what you did just to be a boxer, so... Yeah, yeah. Well... It, it, oh, you mean after his After, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Like, like uh, while in cycling kit. <laughs> uh, I've never seen a boxer wear cycling kit. <laughs> yes, he's a controversial figure. He's um, sort of known for that. Anyway, we don't need to we don't need to go too far into it, but I in case people missed that series of events, I wanted to present that series of events and sure, say sure. draw your own conclusions out there. <laughs> and then the leader's hat. Merci. Just to, just to describe what uh, what's, what's happening happened? here. Um, Ronan's been handed a a LC, a yellow LCL Tour de France hat. Good swag. Did you Good get swag. out on climb yesterday? I did get on the climb yesterday. Yeah. I saw you out there. I I really enjoyed the video of the um of one of your teammates riding past you and giving you a high five and the spectator next next to you looking at you like, wait, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> People were looking at me pretty funny yesterday because I was wearing full team kit. Not like, like jersey and casuals. Knicks, but like full team casuals, mm. team mask. And they were like, and like, I've got shaved legs, <laughs> shaved arms. And they're like, oh, is, is he one of the teammates? Or is he just a really big is he fan? One of the riders that didn't finish earlier? Or, um, Since we have Jimmy here, we need to do a Lockie update because yeah. he's going to finish tomorrow. He is. Flip flops. He's going to beat the race by a lot. The by Tour a lot, France a lot. Is a fraud. Tour de France is a fraud. This guy just did it on his own. Right? Faster. Yep. Yeah. Pogacar does not deserve that yellow jersey. Okay. <laughs> Jimmy, you rode with when he did the Andorra stage. Yeah. 
would have been four days ago uh, that he came through and did yesterday's stage that the guys did actually raced yesterday and uh, yeah I joined him for the really steep climb at the finish there uh, yeah I rode with him for an hour and a half in the early morning of uh, I think it was 7.30 or something when he came past um, how's yeah. his morale how's he how's he you know seaman I think uh, the day he joined me was I think he was in like the uh, the darkest part of the the course I don't know he, he was he says he was struggling the night before because he slept at 2000 meters in front of Mo. it was mm-hmm. cold it was raining and then he has all these climbs to do on a I don't know how much his bike weighs and it's a 20 kilo know. bike yeah yeah uh, and with a headwind too that's what had cracked him a little bit I think mm. um, but pretty incredible to see like he was he was enjoying the morning more than I was I think because <laughs> I was still half asleep <laughs> I'm kind of curious like what what was that ride like? Was he like talking freely or is he like, because I know I've done a few long rides and I'm not fit for talking. I'm yeah. only talking hours. This is like, he's in, he's now weeks into this ride. <laughs> yeah. And when I'm on the bike, I'm pretty chatty and I'm a bit of a fanboy of Lucky too. So I didn't want to just gnaw his ear off because obviously he's in his own world when he's riding like the way he is. So yeah, he was pretty chatty and we had, and we had other riders uh, come and join who are dot watchers too. And he was super friendly. Like he gives everyone their time, and but then at the same time, people also understand that he's like in the zone and doesn't really want to, uh, yeah, talk like we're at a coffee shop. Um, he's got stuff to do, places to be. <laughs> How fast is he riding? It was impressive the pace that he was going at. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, the Bechelis climb, which is what they raced up yesterday, the really steep climb. He would have been doing well over three hundred watts for the climb. In uh, his sandals. In his sandals. <laughs> I've said it before. I'll say it again. <laughs> in his sandals. His carbon fiber and reinforced sandals. <laughs> that he's edited. He's cut one of the straps off. There's only one strap yeah. holding those things to his feet. It's got to feel nice. I would. I would fear on the downstroke getting the rubber sandal caught on the ground and having my toes ripped off. But that's just me. Mm. But I. But I guess he's not clipped into his pedal, so it's not like he could just lift his foot up. Yep. Do we know has his sandal slipped off the pedal at all and like pedal had him on the oh, shin? Stop. Because that would be my fear. <laughs> yeah, that's a good fear. He got new pedals in Andorra that day. Because mm. um, he was running like so so Matt Bowden was telling me this, that he went and just bought a bike. To, so when his when he first needed new pedals, he went and just bought like a crappy bike at a grocery store and took the pedals off and then just like left the bike there some lucky <laughs> put, person got a free bike with yeah, the pedals yeah. <laughs> no, no, that had jury's pedals on it. <laughs> <laughs> that cost more than the bike i have no idea if that's an accurate story but that's that's the story i heard anyway is that he got those pedals from a from like a you know 89.99 bike from a grocery store uh so yeah it sounds like he did get some legit pedals sometime around coming through andorra good. which is probably a good thing which is a week and a half after i seen him in the pedals to start with <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> he's a crazy person. So yeah, he's gonna he's gonna beat the he's gonna beat the Peloton by a lot. He's like halfway up to Bordeaux. Um, he's, he's gonna well beat him by he's, like he's halfway up to Paris. Sorry, yeah, halfway up to Paris. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, from Bordeaux to Paris. That's what I meant. Um, yeah, he's gonna beat us by a lot. I, I was intending to try to catch up with him when I was here, and I've, we've just been like four days behind him the entire time. So I've just never been able to get him. And I'm not even sure we'll see him in Paris unless he hangs out in Paris for days and oh, days and days i wouldn't if i was him i would go home and take a really long shower right and then not touch a bike for at least 24 hours yeah 
There's apparently going to be a documentary about it. I hope so. Yeah. I, I'm actually, I'm just really impressed with this ride, but I'm also World Bicycle Relief that he's he's raising money, raising bikes by doing this ride. That is what's super cool to me because I think he would he is doing it completely unsupported, but he does have you know a videographer slash photographer following him. He would have done it without. Like he would easily have gone and done it with nobody watching him. And that's kind of what's what's really cool. Yeah. I think he's raised a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Already. He's raised a lot. Yeah. If you if you if you're a fan and uh you want to go support a really good cause, head on over to I think it's what is it, Rafa.cc slash the alt tour. In the in the show notes. Yeah. So I mean at this point you just it. Google it. You yeah. find it. It's on the Googles. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. I chuck some money in. I think it's I think it's a very worthwhile cause and because Lachlan is insane. Worth doing. <laughs> One more Tour de France adjacent uh thing to catch up on that we've been really like falling behind. We have. We've missed a couple very, very big names that have landed themselves in the Mayo Sable. But as of today, the second rest day of the race, Patrick Conrad is our Mayo Sable. One hour, one minute, and one second. One oh one oh one. Just about nailed it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What 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 position? What place is he in? He is twenty eighth. All right. Twenty eighth. Yeah. So we're getting we're getting there. Usually the Mayo Sable is like eighteenth to twentieth. We're we're getting there. So who's who's in that spot now? Like who's who's looking good for the overall here? Well, I wish that Stage I could say thing, Mike but... Woods, but he's only got about four minutes of cushion, mm. less, a little less. Than but that. he could like take time. He could the take next time couple days. He could he could he could build himself a buffer there. It's true. I I do. You know who my who I think looks real good for the Mayo Sabla is Wout Van Aert. Oh. Thirty-one minutes and forty-three seconds with a couple mountain tops coming. I mean, forget the Olympics. That that's he could retire. He, he could, could retire. retire. Yeah. On Monday, he could call it. He, I won the Mayo Sabla and the Polka Dot jersey. Well, imagine if he won <laughs> both jerseys. That'd be so cool. Which takes precedence? Is it the Polka Dot jersey, the Belgian National Champs jersey, or the Mayo Sabla? It's the Sabla. Yeah, yeah. He, he's not allowed to race in anything but the Mayo Sabla until next year's Tour de France. Yep. True. True fact. <laughs> Don't at me. 80% of statistics are made up. Yeah. 100% of those facts are made up. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. Oh dear. Can you get a rush from being at altitude? God. <laughs> are you not, allergic to altitude? It's not, that's not what that is. That's not a rash. That's sunburn. Are you, are you allergic to fake grass? <laughs> fake grass at altitude. <laughs> at sea level, it's fine. Should we make some picks for tomorrow and then wrap this thing up? We should. Kaylee, who's your pick for tomorrow? Mara Quintana. He's both wow. my pick for the polka dots and because of that, tomorrow's stage. Kaylee's gone kin crazy. Quintana crazy? crazy? I'm not. I'm, You're not following? I'm not. No, I'm just not justifying not. that with the response. <laughs> Ronan, who's your pick for tomorrow? I, I was going to say Jakob Fuglesang, but uh, I guess a little bit of uh, on the ground information here. The Astana team and the UAE team are staying very close to us here, just like literally two minutes down the road at 2,000 meters of elevation. And that is a significant difference compared to a lot of the other teams who are staying in Andorra La Vella. 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 It's a paella thing coming out again. (laughs) A lot of the teams are staying in Andorra La La Vella at 900 meters. And that 
that that that could make a significant difference to the recovery. It could also make a significant difference for Pogaccia. Um So as as such, I'm going to go for the guy who rides for Editor who won GP La Marseillaise earlier this year, and I'm not going to say his name in case she's mocked me. Panapatra is that his name? Sure. Palapent, something like that. Okay. Yeah, Palapent. It's a it's like parrot pain tree in English. Yes. Yep. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't try and pronounce that one. (laughs) Who's your pick? Ruben Guerrero. Mm. Ooh. He was fifth yesterday. In theory, he should get the green card to go on the break and the move tomorrow. And he won the KOM jersey in the Juro last year, so he knows how to ride how to ride some uh, some mountains. So, and he was looking good yesterday. So, that's my pick. That's a good pick. Hmm. Tom's. I can't pick him. That's cheating. <laughs> my pick is Vincenzo Nivoli. Officially left the race. Yes. By the way. Yeah, you can't pick him. No, I'm saying in case anyone was wondering. Happy man today. We were speculating about it yesterday, and today it happened. Yep. I honestly don't know. My pick for tomorrow is Esteban Chavez. It's a good one. Also, Esteban Chavez just released a limited edition kit from the service course mm. that has some kind of um, uh, charity benefits. I wasn't reading about it, but I saw the kit on Instagram and it looks really cool. Nice. In case anyone's wondering. Speaking of really cool kits, if you haven't checked out the Black Sheep Cycling Tips Cyclist Alliance kit, it's only available until the 23rd of July. So it's a limited pre-order. But it's an awesome kit for an awesome cause, and we really would love for you to buy it. Yeah. I mean, you're, just, you're supporting probably the most important organization of women's cycling. Or cycling in general. Yeah. Because they actually have a lot of input. Not a lot of input, but they have been consulted with for the new men's cycling union that formed um, at the beginning of this year. So the Cyclist Alliance is doing great things for cycling in general, mostly the women's side, um, but both sides need a lot of help when it comes to protecting the riders. And the Cyclist Alliance is is just above and beyond any other other entity helping cycling. So the, the kit is amazing. Check it out. Wear it. Rep Cycling Tips and the Cyclist Alliance and Black Sheep. And um, we will be super grateful. Very, very briefly. The reason why, we never actually said this, the reason why uh, the teams being at altitude matters is because you don't recover as well. Hmm. So if some of the teams are at 2,000 meters and some of the teams are at 1,400 meters, that's a potential, it's a potentially detriment, potential detriment to the teams that are higher for tomorrow or for the rest of the week, really. But I would say that's nothing to do with the oxygen concentration or whatever it is. Uh, it would be more to do with the fact that sleeping at altitude affects your quality of sleep over the first few nights. So it's not to do with necessarily the atmospheric pressure and stuff like that. But I find that when I come up here compared to sea level, I sleep 50% worse for the first few nights. Mm-hmm. Every part of me is 50% worse. <laughs> Ronan is is a sea level creature. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Jimmy, thank you for taking time out of your day to chat with 
these idiots and me and and, and for loaning us your and hat. for letting us squat on your porch yeah. deck thing <laughs> mostly thanks for your hat <laughs> you're welcome sorry for you something <laughs> we will be back tomorrow to talk about stage 16 and get ready for stage 17 we got one week to go people we got some special guests this week because abby you're leaving us so we have more special guests this week. I can only tolerate you people for like 48 hours. And honestly, I cracked after like four yesterday. <laughs> so. it's, it's best if you if you just leave leave us to it. I would like to continue working with you for like at least a couple months. <laughs> the less amount of time I spend with you, probably the better. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.